You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to a Critical Mass Business Talk Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, and boy, do we have a good show planned for you. Jason Wachter, who is a partner at Gottlieb Rackman Reisman PC, is our guest today. Hi, Jason. How are you? Hi, how are you, Rick? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you here. Let's start by focusing on you before we look at your firm. And uh, so you've been with, we're going to call, uh, we'll call them GRR. You've been with them for seven years practicing law and, and you've practiced law since 2008. I'm wondering when you were in law school or when did you decide that this was the area of law that you wanted to practice? Well, it was actually before law school. So I have an undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. Um, out of undergrad, I went to work for three years for an aerospace engineering company, uh, which I enjoyed very much the experience, but I always knew I kind of wanted to do something more than just engineering. So I you know, was looking into possibly business school or law school and realized that I can utilize my undergraduate engineering degree uh, to going into intellectual property law and particularly patent law. So I went to law school and then leveraged my undergraduate degree and entered the um, IP field after graduating law school. So let me see if I understand this. You're gainfully employed as an engineer? Correct. You're, you're making money as a professional and you decide to put that on hold to go back to school. Did you go back to school full time? Yes. I did. So you gave up income to do this? I, I did for three years. Yes. So when you were deliberating this, you must have had people that you thought sought out their advice and counsel. Did you? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yes. And, and um, well, I'm just interested in the range of feedback that you might have gotten from people. I, I would say it was um, every. I, I would say it was all positive. I mean, I think it was encouraging from everyone, uh, including my, you know, pro, you know, my employer at the time. Um, to at the time, it wasn't my wife; it was my girlfriend. Um, you know, fa and fa family um, and other people that I had spoken to that had entered the legal field and that were, you know, currently employed as engineers. I just explained to them what I, you know, what I was thinking and wanted to kind of pursue beyond just engineering into law. And they were all very encouraging and thought it was a great idea. So you, you made some commitments to it as far as your lifestyle. You must have over those three years while you were obtaining your law degree, not only from a financial perspective, but from a dedication, you're back at school and um, my son's an attorney, so I understand the commitment that it takes to get successfully through law school. So your then girlfriend, now wife, must have been all on board with this strategic decision that you made. Yes, she was. She she actually, when I had started law school, she was uh, in law school at the same time. Um, but we actually weren't in law school in the same place. I was up at Syracuse and she was in New York City. So um, wow. we definitely... Um, we definitely had to make a commitment to each other and uh, make our scheduling work so we could see each other, you know, as, as much as possible while still also focusing on our studies. So it was it was a it was definitely a, a big commitment, both uh, from a financial uh, and personal standpoint. I, I love to explore our guests kind of path to where they are today, because it's been my experience interviewing business owners, entrepreneurs, professionals, that many times it's not a straight path from high school, let's say, to. Uh, where you're doing today. There are twists and turns in that journey. And you certainly exemplify that, Jason. I'm wondering again, I understand with your technical background, but could you go a little deeper if there is a little more depth there about your interest in practicing trademark 
patent and IP law. What is it that is so fascinating to you about this area of study? Well, I, so, you know, going back to my engineering degree, I, you know, by nature, I just, you know, have, uh, I guess, a certain thought process that goes on with right. things. And I like to utilize that. So when people come to us with, you know, potential inventions or concepts they might want to patent, um, you know, it gets me thinking as to how I could possibly help them, what ways they can, what ways they can possibly protect their idea from a patent standpoint. And I find that, you know, fascinating. I've always had an interest from a young child, I guess, with, different, you know, building and putting things together and, and kind of seeing how things work with each other. And, you know, from a trademark perspective, I think it's equally as important for businesses to protect their brand. So if, you know, you're, you're a business owner and you're looking to patent a concept, but you also want to start your company, the last thing you want to do is, you know, walk in, you know, start a company without doing some due diligence on your company name and possibly walk into some problems down the, down the road. That must, um, differentiate you i don't know if, if you can speak to this but i would think coming to you as a client maybe not knowing your background in the beginning but you must represent yourself in the kind of questions that you ask and the way that you help your clients differently because of your time as an engineer and your interest in being in industry before you went back to law school is that is that true yeah i would say that you know my thinking is pretty analytical in terms of how to approach a client um, and you know, when, when they come in the door, try to figure out the best approach for them. That's both going to benefit them in business and be uh, the most economical in terms of going forward as well. Yeah, that's helpful. So let's, let's talk about GRR now, and maybe you could help us to understand the focus for the firm, as well as the specific specialization, maybe industries or sectors that GRR is uh, a supplier to and a partner for. Great. Yeah. So my uh, my law firm, Gottlieb, Bracken and Riesman, we specialize in intellectual property law prim um, pretty much exclusively. And what that entails is assisting with all aspects of patents, trademarks, copyrights, licensing agreements, due diligence, um, asset acquisitions and, you know, also sales. Pretty much anything tangible related to any of those areas we, we can help you out with from both a transactional and a group standpoint. Um, you know, the firm. I, I don't want to say we were siloed in any particular sector or any kind of technology. I think we're we're fully functional firm that can um, help out with any kind of technology that anyone may come to us with. We have people with different engineering backgrounds and specialties from a patent standpoint, as well as people on the trademark and copyright side who are well versed from everything from high luxury fashion to restaurants to jewelry designers and consumer goods. So we can pretty much run the gamut. We can handle everything there. Um, you know, some industries that we do do have, you know, significant clients in. Um, we have significant clients in e-commerce, um, fashion, I would say, restaurant industry, the lighting industry, um, and, and other commercial goods. So it, it's uh, all as well as wireless technology and telecommunications, um, medical devices, uh, automotive. So it, it pretty much runs the gamut. That's interesting because in those areas, they have a need for the expertise that your firm possesses. And I'm wondering in, in layman's terms, because we have uh, many middle market business leaders that listen to our program. And I'm wondering if you could help us to define, or at least what is meant by intellectual property? 
Sure. So in, in layman's terms, if you're if you're coming up with a concept that you perceive as your own, you you're coming out, you're I guess developing whether it's a patent, whether it's a business name, whether it's a copyright, a tangible work, um, you're coming up with something that you were looking to protect. And that's how we would be able to help you protect that idea. So if you're coming up with an idea for say a new phone case, for example, your iPhone that you might want to protect, we can help you with that. If you're coming up with a new name for a product you want to launch, we could assist you with that. If you're coming up with a potential copyrightable work, such as a pattern design for a fabric, we can assist you with that. Um, if you're, you know, coming up with say a new name for a business, we can help you with that. So it, it pretty much runs the gamut of those areas. So let's just role play for a minute. Let's pretend that I am a client of yours and I have a new some, maybe it is a, maybe it is a product, maybe it is a pattern. What generally speaking is the process like for a client who believes they have something of value that they'd like your help in protecting? Just take us through the high level what can they expect that process to look like in working with you and your firm? Right. So I think it's always best to have a conversation because, you know, I find it's great to have an email that outlines things, but always a conversation tells a lot more than just an email. So once, once we get the information down, for example, from a patent standpoint, if you've come up with an idea, it's best to have a conversation to see where things stand, um, what, what actually you're looking to protect, what, if, what may be out there been before, so we can see how to work around that. It's also key in certain timing for timing purposes. For example, with patents, if you have an idea and you were looking to protect it both in the U.S. and outside the U.S., you would want to file one form or another of a patent application prior to disclosing it to the public, putting it on sale, having business meetings that are semi-public. Um, you know that are not you know because what happens is is that in for example Europe, China, and other places, if you publicly disclose your idea before before filing a patent application, you would be precluded from filing a patent application later in those countries mm -hmm. and getting potential patent rights. So you'd want to make sure that your timing, if possible, it doesn't always happen, uh, is lined up to make sure that you're fully protected down the road. And that's also potentially important for investors because they want to know that if they're investing in a business, even if they don't want to potentially get a patent in those areas down the road, they have the option to as well as also you want to know where where the person is in their development are they is this a prototype is this fully fleshed out idea uh, that would help guide it from a patent standpoint from a trademark standpoint you also while unlike patents you don't have to file immediately it's good to run a clearance search so that you know what you're getting into in other words you don't want to the last thing you want to do is get all set up with marketing online social media uh, start a business and then boom, a week later, you get a cease and desist letter saying that you're infringing on my trademark. Um, so you want to make sure you do your due diligence and research up front. And we would advise people to do so, especially, you know, for, for launches of new products, for launches of new businesses along those lines. So it's important to have a conversation because as uh, someone that doesn't do this for a living, there's a lot of nuanced aspects to protecting your, your business and your, your concepts you might not appreciate up front that we can assist you with. That That's a really uh, powerful point. So I, I want to kind of pick at that just a little bit with you, Jason. Um, it is my experience having worked with middle market firms for a decade plus that sometimes they don't even realize the IP, the value that they've created in their business. 
and they haven't taken steps to protect it because they were unaware in some states, in some mental states, that they had something that was really valuable, worth investing in the protection. I don't know if that's been your experience because you're dealing with people who are seeking your guidance, but uh, is my experience well. valid? Yes, no, that happens as well. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people will come to us and say, you know, we had this great idea, we were doing this for a while, and now someone else is copying my idea, whether it's a right. potential patented idea or a trademark. Uh, in particular with patents, I would say this is applicable. Um, you know, what can I do? And in most cases, unless there's an improvement you're making that you potentially can get a patent on at that time, if it's been out there for more than a year, you have no, you can't file a patent application, you know, per the rules. So unfortunately, it's kind of public in public domain. And while you, there might be creative ways to try to address the matter through you know, three-dimensional trademarks or copyrights if possible, um, they're, they're not exactly easy to always attack in that manner. And typically a lot of times it's lost to the public domain. So it does, it does happen. And I think some people are wary of say patents because they say, oh, these cost so much money. And you know, how can I, you know, why would I want to invest in this? But I think what you're pointing out is a, is a key piece of information that sometimes it's worth to spend the money up front, um, to protect yourself because you never know, listen, Imitation is the best form of flattery until you're not protected. So you want to make sure that you, um, you know, get your ducks in a row and protect yourself up front so that you don't run into situations like you're describing. That's fantastic. And I think a part of the decision tree, whether you're a product company or a service organization, as you're developing something new that you're excited about, I think the executive team should ask the question, can we, how do we protect this in the marketplace? And the question then comes to who can we talk to that would be able to help us? And that's where you and your firms clearly could come in and be of value. And I'm sure you are every day to your right. clients. I'm wondering if you're seeing any emerging threats, trends, or risks in the area of law that you practice. And if you are, if you could share those with us. I mean, I think in terms of threats, the, the biggest one happens to be that I, it comes to mind off the top of my head is revolving uh involving amazon we have a lot of clients in the e-commerce space and there's amazon has an ip tool that you know, i think they was intended to be helpful for people to enforce their intellectual property but the way that it works unfortunately um it's not in my opinion the best uh, in other words if you file a takedown based on alleged copyright or trademark infringement amazon automatically can disable, you know, products uh, on the patent side, there could be a patent neutral evaluation, which is, you know, typically what happens, although sometimes I run into the case where it doesn't. That being said, where this comes into play in terms of emerging threats is we're seeing a lot of, in particular from Asia and China, people filing fraudulent takedowns of products to disrupt Amazon listings, mm -hmm. um, at least temporarily, which disrupts business and, you know, could cost companies uh, any, you know, anywhere from nominal amount of money to, you know, millions of dollars before it's resolved. And it's difficult to get someone on Amazon to it all to, you know, speak to and resolve these matters. Um, so th that is a problem that I think is a combination that <clears throat> the U.S. Patent Office and Amazon would hopefully in the future address to make it more fair for, you know, their, their consumer, their, both, um, I guess, people listing products as well as holders of intellectual property. Interesting. Uh, 
I was totally unaware of that. And now you've raised it onto my consciousness. And I appreciate that. That's a that's an interesting perspective. So many people are using platforms like Amazon and Amazon in particular to generate revenue because it's such a cast such a wide net for these middle market companies. I can see that that could affect many people that are listening. And certainly if you're a platform seller through Amazon, you probably want to learn more about what Jason was just talking about. Interesting. Thank you for for sharing that. Uh, I'm wondering, as you look to the future and your practice and in the firm, how do you see the practice evolving and growing over time? I think, you know, listen, the firm's been around for over 50 years and our bread and butter, as I said at the outset, is intellectual property. I think our firm continues to grow somewhat organically in terms of through networks of, you know, contacts, um, seeking out new business, seeking out new opportunities. I think there are emerging areas of IP law, such as cannabis and other areas mm -hmm. that is definitely more in the forefront um, more recently in the last few years that obviously the firm has keyed in on as have others to try to assist those in need with, you know, businesses. But I think overall, you know, going forward, the firm will continue to service their clients that they had and have had for many years and look to grow um, to assist others, you know, as you pointed out, that may have a need from a middle market company, a large company, or even just someone at home that says, hey, I want to, I want to, I think I have a great idea. I want to protect. Um, that's, that's the plan. It's been my experience, and I'm not sure if you can talk to this, Jason, but that when business owners decide to sell their business, many times larger companies have an interest in buying the company because it's accretive to whatever business they might be in. And one of the areas that they're interested in is, do you have a moat around your business? Are there protections? Am I buying something that I can scale because you've done the right things to protect it? Um, that generally equates to a better valuation many times for, this, for the middle market business owner who's looking to exit to a strategic investor. Do you help clients during that phase of their company's evolution? Absolutely. We, we help out um, many. I've helped out many, many times on this evaluating um, IP portfolios um, prior for both sellers and acquirers of IP. And I think it's important, as you pointed out, both ways, because you want to make sure that if you're buying a company for valuation purposes, if there is, say, patents attached to it or trademarks, that those patents are actually active and valid patents and worth worth something to the client. And they're not just a paper patent or they're not expired that, you know, they, the client was unaware of that they're potentially buying the product. Likewise, with trademarks, you want to make sure that everything is in order from, you know, ownership and title of, of the IP to both everything is, you know, active and current and what and explain to the client actually what they're getting. So it's important, as you pointed out, from an evaluation standpoint to do your due diligence on IP as part of an acquisition or sale. Again, to just sit there for a second. I'm glad you, you said that because it has been my experience that if you do things right the first time, and you build on that premise when you are looking for someone to invest or to invest or to buy you out the fact that you have a history of due diligence and kind of putting the right things in place from a protection point of view larger companies like that in the companies they acquire because it's easier for them to integrate into a company that already has systems and processes like that and so i think the the roi for this type of behavior isn't just while you're running your company and generating revenue and getting the value of being protected, it's when you have that liquidation event, potentially it really can pay off in spades. 
Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, we've we've run into it both ways where it's, you know, some sometimes the IP is not exactly organized well, and that makes right. it difficult for the um, seller or the buyer, and that could cost more money in the back end. And, you know, last the last thing you want to do is cost your potential client to spend more money to um, button up the IP. So you want to make sure that it's clean up front or at least advise accordingly so that that could potentially affect the valuation if you have to pay for it in the back end. So if someone would like to learn more about you specifically or Gottlieb, Rackman, and Reisman in general, how do they find you and the firm? So you can um, email me at jwachter at grr.com. Um, I'm on the firm website, so my contact information is provided there. I'm also on LinkedIn, um, Jason Walker under my name there. So feel free to reach out either of those, um, you know, and I'm happy to chat with anyone and answer any questions relating to intellectual property. I was really appreciative to talk, Rick. It was fun. And the time flew. I looked at the clock and, you know, we've been talking for 20 minutes and it didn't seem like that. And I'm really glad that you were able and available to join us today. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank Gottlieb, Brackman, and Reisman because they proudly support this edition and all editions of the Critical Mass Business Talk Show. GRRPC provides legal advice and guidance on all aspects of intellectual law, property law, including patents, trademarks, and copyrights. As Jason said, if you'd like to learn more, and I would encourage you to visit their website, it's simple. It's GRR.com. I thank you all for being a part of the Orange County's longest running business talk show. This was our podcast episode number 1,317. If we're not connected on LinkedIn, I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. You're welcome to visit my website. It's the same thing. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Mm -hmm.